Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. All right, welcome back to the Influent Podcast. And I have here some very special guests, one of my favorite guys, Eric Fish. Hi, Bob. <laughs> and and his his posse, we got Justin, Sam, and Maggie. Maggie. And uh, so we're here and uh, uh, for this this Influent podcast. And this is the coolest story. This is the coolest story. So if you've been listening to this podcast, we just we just sent out a, a series on the Starbucks profit and. One of my just best buddies, Michael Stevens. So Eric, Eric Fish, who's an old friend of mine, says, what could this be the same guy who talked to me and sent me an email says, is this the guy that like prayed for people at Starbucks? Yeah. So, so tell, tell me, tell me the story. Tell me. Yeah. What. Yeah. I was, it was crazy. So for you, for the last seven years, Bob, I've told this story about this Starbucks prophet. And that's, that was just what I randomly called him. So I didn't know his name. Uh, but uh, yeah, about seven years ago, my wife and I were just really at a place, particularly me, where I was being successful in ministry, so to speak. But I told Jesus, why do I feel like I'm not really following you anymore? The more I'm wow. successful in people's eyes, I don't feel that living on the edge, following the Holy Spirit, living the Jesus way of life as I'm succeeding in suits and speeches and buildings and budgets and all this stuff. And so I told the Lord, I'm, I'm either going, you must speak to me. I want to be on the edge of what you're doing. If there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my generation, what do I need to be, do to be at the edge of it? And I said, either you speak to me what that is or I'm going to quit the ministry. So around that time, I started... Just searching scriptures, looking through Acts, looking and rediscovering the Jesus way of life and going, wow, so much of what I'm doing in Christianity is really not centered on the Jesus way of life. <laughs> and so um, I started getting a vision of what would it look like if we did what Jesus did in Luke 10, sending out people in pairs to, to pray, to go to pockets of people, to heal the sick, to demonstrate the kingdom, and form groups around dinner tables that are experiencing Jesus together. And I had this vision of a movement of young people multiplying across the world in these small, reproducible forms of church. And I didn't know what right, to call right. them. And around this time, so I talked to my board, I talked to other people in my life, and they thought it was a terrible idea. Right. So, yeah, the story you, you emailed me was like, you're getting this download, but it wasn't necessarily... Going over well. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, that was a pretty tough season. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, honor spiritual fathers, honor authority, listen to counsel, all these good biblical principles. But at the same time, I've learned that... The Lord is know, leading you a different way. Jesus, yeah. Jesus, Jesus is Lord, not man. You know, there's no mediator between God and not God and man except Jesus, you know. So anyway, um, around this time, my wife and I are out on a date, and we were having a conversation. We're about an hour from our house, and I said, Jen, I don't want to be rebellious um, but everywhere we go, God is speaking to us. He's giving us dreams. Giving you this in new direction. This new blueprint for a new movement of churches centered on the simplicity of following Jesus, being accountable to one another, and following the leading of the Holy Spirit in every sphere of society. And I said, Jen, everywhere we go, we get some random, weird, prophetic encounter that's <laughs> confirming that God is in this. And then right then I looked out the window and I go, 
hey, there's a Starbucks. You want to grab a coffee? She said, sure. So we go into Starbucks. Literally, this is one minute after having this conversation with my wife. And the barista is making my latte. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, do you have kids? And I said, yeah, we have four. He goes, uh, he goes you have three boys and a girl. Really? And I said, like that? that's exactly right. And he goes, yeah, uh, God started speaking to me about you when you walked through the door. And I was like, well, you know, is this odd or God? This, like, which, God which God is this? This is not your typical Starbucks no, no, encounter, no. right? So he goes, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you the message that God told me about you? I'm like, of course. And so he brings out our, our coffee, sits down with us, and he goes, um, introduces himself. And he says, Eric, God told me that you And you had never seen this guy Never before. seen this guy in my life. He goes, Eric. And you're an hour away from your house at a random right, Starbucks. Right. Okay. And one minute after I told my wife, everywhere we go, God gives us a random prophetic word that we're following him in this new vision of creating a movement of churches that are centered on Jesus but look different than institutional churches. Wow. And so he says, Eric, this is the word the Lord gave me. You are in the greatest season of transition of your entire life where wow. everything is changing about the way you do ministry. The day is going to come where you're going to go from place to place to place. God is changing the source of your income. Your heart is close enough to Father God that what you're dreaming about is the blueprint of it's heaven. Yeah. Go for it. I am in this wow. transition, says the Lord. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen this guy before in my life. And so, so how do you receive this at the time? Well, with many tears. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, you knew it was the voice of heaven, basically. Oh yeah. I mean, it confirmed multiple, multiple things the Lord had been saying. And, you know, I find that... You know, the Lord doesn't just speak randomly, total U-turn with one word. He confirms it with multiple witnesses, the witness of the word, and also agreement with my wife. My wife and I went home, and we had just bought a house, planned to live there for 20 years, and, you know, a fourth child, and, and she says, Eric, I don't care about this house. I'm not worried about God providing. God is in this transition. We need to obey Him. So this was after the, mm -hmm. the coffee encounter. Yeah. And, uh, and there have been multiple confirmations of that. But my wife and I uh, uh, set out on an adventure. We quit our jobs, and we just started journeying with Jesus to plant new so churches. I want to hear more about this. Mm -hmm. But just to put a bookmark in this, so literally, and you not heard of Michael or touched base with Michael since that no, time. No, I emailed you after that last it's, podcast. So I then said, you get the podcast, the, the Starbucks guy, you're like, right. hey, I've been writing about the Starbucks. Is this the guy? Yep. Yep. And so I reintroduced you. <laughs> yep, yep. We've connected. We've connected back and forth a couple of times. We're going to try to meet today, but he's moving. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool to see the Lord connect. Uh, I know. Full circle. He is He is the coolest guy. He's one of my favorite preachers on the planet. I just get so hungry for God whenever whenever he talks, you know. But so, so cool story, cool story. So let's jump into this simple church thing. And this, sure. is, this is really amazing. I mean, so... Walk us through the journey and, and take us back to Haskell. Sure, so I remember yeah. hearing some of these stories, and it just lit me up. <laughs> well, um, around this time, I met a guy named Dr. George Patterson. And Dr. Patterson had been working in unreached people groups around the world um, and going in and find basically following the Luke 10 model, a very simple, reproducible Which is something way. I, I teach. And by the way, for those that don't know you, I knew you as a campus evangelist. I mean, you're, you just, you love to share the love of God and share the knowledge of God on campuses. So you were just this guy out there, yeah. you know. Yeah, ever since I started following Jesus, I've always felt more comfortable around pagans than having <laughs> conventional Christians. So, so, so this whole model the Lord's teaching you is really a, a model about welcoming the 
normal people, right? And the sinners, the pagans, as you put it. Yeah. And well, Jesus so, was just so as this, comfortable at a party as he was at a temple. And some people would call it an evangelistic stream. I would call it more of a Pauline apostolic model of, re- of introducing the Jesus way of life into spheres where the kingdom of God is not being And what's the yet. Jesus way of life? The Jesus way of life is life centered on obeying Jesus, on seeking for what does heaven look like in this realm. And Jesus' primary message was not a message of the church. It was a message about the kingdom and then to go make disciples who are seeking for heaven to come on earth. That is the Jesus way of life. That's good news. I've been teaching this week here in Kansas City that the good news is better than we think it is. And when we are overly committed to a form of church that is at, at best abiblical and at worst anti the values so of Jesus. Meaning the traditional turn, church structure is is abiblical. Well, I, I'm not making a blanket statement on what the traditional church structure is, but I'm trying to give people permission to return to a simple, reproducible way of following Jesus wow. and seeking his kingdom to be expressed in every sphere of life. And when people follow Jesus together, the only label that is given to groups that follow Jesus together in the New Testament is the church. It is the church. It can be small, it can be big, but there are disciples of Jesus who seek the kingdom together wherever they are. So give us a couple of examples. Take us to Haskell. So as you were, this whole thing was being pioneered out in your yeah. in your heart. Well, um, I told the Lord I'd go anywhere. And when you know it, he sends me 15 minutes from my house. And you know, it's one thing to I talk about it. going to the other side of the world, but what about the areas of darkness in your backyard? Oh. Places you've ignored for... You know, you know, you know, you're hitting one of my own major, you know, messages is the marketplace. And here, mm-hmm. if you've got a job, you're around unbelievers. Yeah. I mean, that's the front lines of our faith. Well, you, you don't have to go it. anywhere. You just have to go to work and shine the light there, which is, by the way, what Michael Stevens did, right? Wouldn't He's just, just full on yeah. Jesus making coffee and getting paid for it. Wouldn't it be a strategy of the enemy? to say where you spend between 30 and 40% of your time, you can't express Jesus there. You have to build this culturally foreign place, get people out of that marketplace and into right. This, right. this building. And that's where you can do Jesus stuff. But the marketplace is where people's values are shaped. It's where meaningful that's relationships right. are formed. It's conversations. And we can By the way, it's where discipleship happens. That's right. Jesus had more to say about money than virtually any other topic. And, and so here it is. This is our mission field. I, you know, your mission fills where your feet are, right? That's right. And your flock is the people around you. That's right. I really view a day where, um, where entrepreneurs um, function in the fivefold gifting, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, to see fivefold expressions of Jesus manifested in the workplace culture. And you're, you're at the front lines of that, man. So I'm, I'm talking to, the, you know, the and, and you, apostles. You, you read my book years ago, right. Marketplace Christianity, which is, I talked about, you know, how... God wants to move in the marketplace right. and and uh, and how he did surprising to me I was not looking for it expecting it and he, there he was you know and this and this whole podcast and everything we're about here is, right. is just to get the 97% who are not called a full-time vocational ministry mm-hmm. which is you know to to learn how to bring Jesus in you know so many they just most most marketplace Christians feel like they're obeying God they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they don't feel effective. Yeah. They don't feel like they're making an impact. Yeah. 
They don't understand how it fits. They feel like it's meaningless, you know, or you're just taking care of your family or paying your rent, which are good, but you're not really connecting with Jesus. You're not really doing his will in a tangible way. You're not bringing the kingdom. And that's just wrong. Well, one, it's wrong, and two, they're just not equipped Mm -hmm. to know how to do the things that they want to do. And so that's really what, what we're about. So, so now that we've talked my story a little bit, you know, I really want to want to get yours. So, so take us to the simple church, and okay. what what are you reinventing? Yeah, tell me, yeah. tell me how it looks, yeah. and well, give me a couple stories. Well, where I started was um, I was uh, I was mentored by an overseas uh, church planning movement uh, leader. Started several movements overseas, and I went to one of his seminars. He's talking about one church becoming two, becoming four, becoming eight. And when he talked, he wasn't talking about church in terms of building and ordained pastors. He, all of his, all the churches that were multiplying to the levels of tens and hundreds of thousands of churches spreading across unreached people groups were all simple forms of house church. Not started out of a reaction to institutional churches, but simply going into the village, finding a person of peace, gathering together around the Luke meal, introducing Jesus. Luke 10. Signs, wonders, miracles. So he's telling these stories. And I went up to him and I said... Uh, it's also sir, a book of Acts. That's yeah. right. I said, sir, you're talking about church planning movements and unreached people groups. Is it possible to see a church planning movement in the Western world among pagans? And he says, well, that depends. I said, on what? He goes, how willing are you to abandon everything you've learned about American models of planting churches and return to a biblical model of making disciples? <laughs> and I thought, well, I just lost all my friends in my job. I'm kind of willing so, to do anything. Yeah, I'm wide <laughs> open at this point. So uh, the first place that I ended up at was a Native American reservation college. Fifteen minutes from home. <laughs> Fifteen minutes from home. And uh, I... So, so this, just to give the background, this is... What is it? Well, um, uh, the history of uh, Euro-American and Native American relationships uh, have typically not been very good. Right. And when it comes to the history of Christian missions among the First Nations, it's been pretty abysmal as well. Really? And it was pretty much, the, the introduction of the gospel to the First Nations people is pretty much a case study in what not to do okay. to introduce the Jesus so, way of life so you're, so you're reinventing, but Haskell, Haskell mm-hmm. is a Indian university. Mm-hmm. So in the 1800s, the federal government started a federal assimilation program where they would they built a series of boarding schools around the country after having a, a debate about either we can continue to fight the Indians or we can educate them. So they built these boarding schools and they would ship kids sometimes as young as five years old wow. from their reservations to these schools. First thing they would do is cut their hair and take their clothes. Enculturate them. Enculturate them, forbid them to speak their language, give them you know an English name, and then teach them a trade. And some of the people were well-intentioned. But the story is pretty tragic. So, so this is this is what Haskell had, so had become. So some of those boarding schools okay. grew to become universities. So, Haskell is one so of So it these. sounds like mm-hmm. when you're going to show up there as a Christian missionary, mm-hmm. that was not necessarily a warm welcome. Oh, no. I was scared. I was very nervous. I knew I couldn't come in with a big Bible and say, here are the white people who saved the Indians. You know, they've been work for 450 years. So, you know, and I knew also that I did not want to start a church in the sense of I'm going to start a meeting where I am preaching. Because my goal became, rather than to be the lead up front person, my goal was to um, think, like, what can I do to spark an indigenous-led movement of disciples making disciples who go back with a reproducible way of being and doing church for First Nations people. That looks, tastes, and smells like the native expression of worship, native expression of people seeking the kingdom of God for their people groups. Wait, say that again. 
I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah. So you so, didn't. It wasn't the model. The, you well, were trying well, to build a hierarchical well, the, the thing. Model. We take. We take. You wanted them to build their own. Yeah. Model. We take. We we view the uh, the apex giftings through the filter of what we understand church to be. And so in the West, we think about apostles as the lead public figure on top of a hierarchy. But I see the true apostolic as going in underground to spark organic. Reproducing transformative movements of disciples making disciples who are who who show relational authority without building an institutional hierarchy. Wow, wow. Okay, so what happened? Well, I made a disciple, and that disciple made other disciples, and then those disciples made other disciples. Tell but, me, but here's tell, the, here's the case. Okay, so tell me a couple okay, of fun okay, stories because okay, we a, love okay, stories. Okay, so uh, so I was following. I was trying to just follow Luke ten. So Luke 10 says uh, four basic principles that undergird every movement in history. They're the rhythms of life Jesus gave us, and I don't view them as mechanistic as much as a rhythm canvas on which to create with the Holy Spirit to, to generate movements. And those four rhythms are Jesus told us to pray for labors for the harvest. So I started saturating the campus with prayer. But the second rhythm is Jesus said, Now go, I am sending you. So we have to put our feet in the places and spaces where darkness is reigning and the kingdom is not expressed. So I then started going, pray and go. I would go to the campus. I would meet people. I would talk with people. I would eat with people. It wasn't evangelism. It wasn't passing out tracts. It was going to get in the soil of the culture. And one of the things I was taught was to look for Be a friend. Be a friend. One of the things I was taught was to look for a person of peace, which Jesus said in Luke 10. Find someone to welcome you in. So as I'm praying and I'm going, one day I'm in a, in a dorm, and this uh, counselor comes up to me who's Apache. And you got to understand, I, looked, I stuck out a lot culturally. I was very much an outsider, and I felt nervous and uncomfortable, afraid. This counselor comes up to me, and she goes, Hey, I've seen you walking around here. What are you doing here? So I get nervous. I'm like, Oh, my goodness, I'm going to get kicked <laughs> off. You know, I don't belong here. But before I could think of what to say, these words pop out of my mouth. Well, this might sound strange, but ma'am, I'm a follower of Jesus, and the Spirit of my God came on me, and he sent me here to heal brokenhearted people and to uh, set those who are captive by addiction and hopelessness to set them free. And God gave me a message that now is the time of the Lord's favor for the First Nations people, for whoever will listen to my message. And then I was like, I can't believe I just said that. She looks at me and she goes, wow, uh, would you come teach one of my classes? No way. And I said, well, what do you want me to teach on? No way. She said, will you come teach on spirituality? And I said, well, ma'am, I'm quite familiar with the, this woman was not not a Christian. Now, what's interesting here is you didn't come say, I'm a Christian missionary. You said, I'm a follower of Jesus. It isn't you're part of a structure. You're part of an institution. You're just a Jesus guy. Right. Well, people sometimes ask me, you know, who aren't Christian, who aren't followers of Jesus yet. They go, are you a Christian? And I say, well, that depends. What do you mean by that? Wow. Because you tell me what you think being a Christian means, and then I will tell you it's really good. Because it means a a lot of things, right? Yes. So anyway, so this is what happened with this lady. Not a follower of Jesus. I go into her class, and I just simply tell stories about how um, tragedy happens in all our lives. But God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of tragedy. But he is the author of the nations of the world. And he takes tragedy, and he turns it to good. Because God wants, he's close to us. He's not far away. He's a good dad who loves you, and he has a future and a hope for you. Very, very simple things. And five students start crying. And then we get in conversations afterward, and the lady, the teacher says, would you come and teach again in a couple weeks? So I started guest lecturing at this class, and eventually she mentored me to become a teacher at the university, where I started teaching freshman orientation classes. But here's the thing. Here's what I want people to get, Bob, is that 
the way of Jesus and learning, teaching others to obey Jesus' basic commands is really simple. We make it so complicated. Pray. Jesus said to pray. Go, meet people. Then Jesus said, gather together over meals with them. You want a great church planning movement strategy? Have more meals with people who don't know Jesus. Have dinners with sinners. Jesus even found Zacchaeus and he's like, hey, I'm coming to your house today. Have dinners with sinners. And so I would start eating with people in the cafeteria and having conversations about Jesus. And then we would start reading a story about Jesus sometimes. And just not preaching, no pulpits, no lectures, just going, what do you see about Jesus in this story? And then the Holy Spirit would come and people would discover who Jesus was for themselves. And I'm like, great, now you're a follower of Jesus. The next step is to do the water experience with Jesus. Do you have any water around? And they would say, well, there's no pool, but we have a shower. And so then we would go up into the shower and we'd have a little party in the shower. The water experience is water baptism. Yeah, and we'd baptize people. And then I'd tell these young disciples, now that you are a follower of Jesus, you've had this change experience, you've had the water experience, you have permission to go share what you've experienced with your friends. So sometimes I would see young followers of Jesus gathering together at tables in the cafeteria, getting bread and and juice and having communion meals in the cafeteria and then using communion to introduce people to what the sacrifice of Jesus means. And then they'd go up in the dorms and they would baptize them. And little churches that were very simple, very organic, um, started right in in the soil of... In simple, and these little churches, meaning these little fresh disciples, mm-hmm. full of Jesus, hanging out, yeah. eating yeah. meals together, yeah. and uh, talking about Jesus, talking tell, to their friends. I'll tell you one. Yeah, tell you one more quick story. Go for okay, it. Okay, so I love stories. It, the, the power of uh, we often think in terms of uh, picture picture two spheres. We, let's say we've got the pagan sphere, the non-Christian, the darkness, whatever. And then we've got what I call Jesus land. And oftentimes Christian strategy is focused on working really hard to get pagan people to come into Jesus land so they can experience our Jesus. Sometimes when I do a training, um, I've, I've sent people out to like an LBGT bar, a gay bar, uh, Christians to go to a, a gay bar and, and they go, what, is, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to treasure hunt and do words of knowledge? I'm like, well, if you want to, that's cool. But mostly I just want you to go there. So they go out for two hours, they come back, and then I ask them, how did it go? And they say, well, it was really awkward. And I say, why? They said, well, I'd never been to a place like that before. And the music was all really weird and different, and I didn't know any of the songs. And then there were people smiling at me and greeting me, and I didn't know if they had another ulterior motive or agenda for me. It was just really awkward. And then I say, great. Now you know how many pagans feel when you invite them to church. To church. Now, that isn't always the case, but the principle nonetheless remains the same. What if introducing the way of Jesus was less about getting people out of where they're comfortable and into places where we're comfortable, but they're not, and it was more about us leaving the places where we're comfortable and going to the places we're uncomfortable, but they're comfortable, and introducing them to Jesus there. Because when we do that, the gospel truly becomes good news, because God incarnated himself into Jesus, and Jesus came into a place where he experienced discomfort to show the love of God. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We are sent messengers to the world to seek for king, the kingdom of God to come on earth everywhere. It's not a church thing. It's a global thing. It's for all people. It's for all spheres. So here's one more story. What happens when people start to plant Jesus communities where people do life? One night, there's a little group of about five or seven 
uh, people uh, that had become a little group of disciples. And as they would gather a couple times a week, they would do simple things. They'd read a story about Jesus. They'd talk about what it meant. They would pray. They would maybe sing a worship song. Sometimes it was, as groups grew, grew, they would learn to play the drum or some appropriate expression of worship. And one night, this native guy sees this group uh, worshiping together in the dorm and re- discussing stories about Jesus. And he says, uh, they look at him and they say, hey, do you want to come uh, sit down? And he goes, is this a God thing? And they're like, well, we're discussing stories about Jesus and how he has supernatural power to transform our lives. And he says, okay, I think I need some of it. I need, I need this. <laughs> so he sits down with this little group. And this one little group had formed in a really dark dorm on campus where you could smell incense burning at night from people trying to cleanse their room from demonic spirits because they were having nightmares. Um, there was a story of in a previous year, one guy had impregnated five different women. It was known as a really dark place. But this is where a new disciple said, I need to uh, start a group here. And so this guy sits down, and it's part of the discussion, and at the end of it he says, can I tell you a story? And he said, sure. And he says, you know, back with my tribe, we don't do Christianity. Christianity is a bad word. Because Christianity lied to us, decimated our families, and broke treaties with us. But the reason I'm here is because last night I had a dream. And in my dream, I was back with my tribe. We were dressed up in our native regalia, and we were dancing around the fire, worshiping the Great Spirit. But as we danced, a stranger appeared among us. And as he danced with us, he was mocking my people, making fun of them and pointing fingers at all of us. And in the dream, I looked at him and realized he had the face of Satan, dressed up like my people, and I was the only one who could see him. And then I woke up, and I had heard about this group meeting here and I I felt like I should come and he this student church planner simple church planner says well I think God has sent you a message he says what is it and he goes he's called you to be a deliverer for your people to rescue them from the power of Satan and to deliver them into the kingdom of light have you ever heard the story of Jesus and he says I'll never forget he says no I haven't heard the story of Jesus I've only heard about Christianity and that night He hears the story of Jesus, and he says, God is uniting the tribes of the earth into relationship with the Creator again. He wants us to love each other, and he has supernatural power for us to get this message out. Can I join Jesus? And he literally asks, can I follow Jesus with you? That night, he becomes a follower of Jesus. He goes through the change experience. Short time later, goes out to a with three carloads of students, most of whom weren't following Jesus. He goes through the water experience or baptism in a lake because that's what Jesus told us to do, make disciples, baptize them, and uh, teach them to obey all he's commanded. Then he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and started sharing his story. And the story of what happened to this guy spread around that entire dorm, all because one person said, I'm going to plant a Jesus community right where the darkness is. And those are stories that are happening everywhere people understand they have permission from God to make disciples anywhere. Wow. This is so cool. So uh, it's, you know, it's changing the language. I mean, you're not using the language of Christianity. I mean, truly, in some ways, our missionaries, we've tried to Christianize or churchify more than bring Jesus is what really the message you're saying. Well, I'll tell a one-minute story that illustrates this. I was in a a natural history museum uh, around this time that I was learning to plant indigenous-led communities of Jesus followers among the First Nations tribes. And I saw a picture of all these Native American kids with their hair cut, and they were dressed in suits, and they were frowning and staring at the camera. 
And next to this picture of these Native American kids was a letter written by um, a Christian missionary back to her supporters in New England. And in the letter, it says, look at this picture. Praise God. Look how we have Christianized the Indians. Mm. And, you know, to me, that is a case study that what we do in Christendom may not be that extreme, but we oftentimes add traditions of men that dilute the goodness of the gospel. Wow. And we force people to have two conversions, a conversion to Jesus and then a conversion to Christendom culture, which isn't necessary. Wow. You know, you know, it's interesting because the, ch- the church says repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. But th- those are foreign concepts. They really are. They don't. Those really made sense. I mean, our baptism makes sense to a Jewish culture that was used to this this kind of baptism. And so what you're saying, you're saying a change experience. Man, who doesn't want that? You know, let's all get a change experience. Who wants uh, the water experience? Man, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, well, and this is what we did. it's awesome. Just changing the language. Seven experiences that I want every follower of Jesus on the planet so this is having their DNA this is, is a little book that, that Eric just handed me it's called uh, Pocket Disciple so from these stories I chronicled these into a series of experiences that anybody can do to start a group of Jesus followers anywhere following a model of seven experiences with Jesus There's and I found these in the DNA of every follower of Jesus who goes on to start a transformation movement there's the change experience there's the water experience. Eric, I could do this. Is, this is just 58-page little book. Seven experiences with Jesus. <laughs> um, template anybody can do to start a multiplying Jesus group anywhere. The change experience, the water so, experience, the fire experience, tell experience, love experience, gather experience, and go experience. Wow. You can do it. And, and so is there a website they could go to? Yeah, ericfish.com, E-R-I-K-F-I-S-H.com. Eric Fish. This is so cool. But here's what people don't don't realize, and we're going to have to we have to get you back for our next podcast. But um, this thing has exploded. I mean, se- since seven years, you've trained thousands of people now who are who are planting and doing this model. I mean, this thing is blown up. Bob, I am having the time of my life. <laughs> I've been with my family. I have four kids. God has taken so such good care of us. He's provided miraculously over and over and over. As of the end of this next month, we'll have been in 50 U.S. states together as a family in four countries, seeding Jesus movements and making a lot of friends, How making ma- some mistakes, so learning this, a lot. This is called, so you've kind of fun. coined this phrase called this, the simple church movement, right? Simple, yeah. Is that what it's called? Simple church, was, simple, you know, church. simple church is language that's been used by previous uh, mentors of mine, Floyd McClung, George mm, Patterson. I see. There, there are others that have used that phrase. But I've seen what happens when young people realize they have permission from God to, 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 to dream as a son or a daughter of their father in heaven and go form families of God around them wherever they go. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's awesome. And all, all started just, you know, or I guess confirmed with this Starbucks prophet, a barista. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He was a cool, definitely a very influential part of the story. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today, and we're going to get you back for uh, for part two. Sounds good, Bob.